With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Athletic. And it's another goal! Wonderfully worked again! And it's Mikhail Antonio again! And how about this for a turnaround from 1 0 down to 2 1 up, just like that? Well, I'll tell you what, this is all about the delivery from Ben Rama. Hello and welcome to UI's The West Ham Podcast from The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney. I'm joined by The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. As always, breaking news, lads. We're massive again, mm. right? It's true that for a fortnight, we weren't sure if we were still massive. We thought we might just be downgrading to really, really big. But um, after a, a, a display of what can only be described as Samba Calypso football, against Burnley last night. We are, in some ways, bigger than ever. Guess what? Rashane Thomas was actually there in Burnley watching the game. But he's come back to tell the tale. What everyone wants to know, first off, Rashane, is what was the hotel like in Burnley? (laughs) I was very worried about you. Last week you said, I think it was a two-star that the Athletic were booking you into, and I felt very bad about that for you. How was it? You know what? It's really, really nice, really nice. Holiday in Express, Burnley. Listen. Oh, it was a Holiday in Express. Yeah, oh, wow. That's not bad, mate. Yeah. Not and because it's an express, this is one of those things where you just check in and out, and you don't have to even see another human being, right? You know what? Funny enough, when I got to the hotel, I saw the Burnley team. I saw in the, the Burnley hotel. Team pass. In the hotel. Funny enough. What? Like, Hang on J- a minute. James- Burnley. First up, they're at home. <laughs> if you're at home, but you have to assemble at a hotel before the game for whatever reason, then okay, that's fair. But then the man, but then Sean Dyche goes, lad, we're going, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, I want you all in the Holiday Inn Express. No wonder bloody James Tarkovsky wanted to move to West Ham. <laughs> at least with, oh. you know, unbelievable. Because you know what, right? I, I got to the I got to that car park. I seen like Ferraris, Range Rovers. I was thinking, all right, this is a bit different. Yeah, I used to seeing like Nissan, Ford Focus, BMW every now and then. So yeah, I get in. I mean, I see the team. I see like James Arkowski. I seen Phil Bars. Everyone, Ashley Barnes, all of them. So I think they're having a meeting. A lot. You should have uh, gone and put something in their lasagna, mate. Just to be on the safe side. <laughs> I I have once seen West Ham in a hotel, and that was when I went to watch us play Palermo in Sicily in 2006 in the uh, the Europa League, or maybe it was still the UEFA Cup, I can't remember. Um, and it was a brilliant away trip. I've probably talked about it before because it's probably my, even though we lost 3-0, it's probably my favourite ever away game, right? And me and a mate, we must have been flushed because we decided to check into the best hotel we could find in Palermo. 
anyway, we got there and this was still in the days when I used to drink. And uh, we got there and got obviously shit faced, I believe is the word. And um, staggered back to the hotel. I think this was the day maybe we arrived on the day of the game. We staggered back in total. We got there first thing in the morning, started drinking straight away, got into the hotel sort of early afternoon. And as we staggered up to the lift to get to our room, sort of like thinking, we'll have a little kit before we go off to the stadium tonight, trying to sleep a bit of it off before we start again. The lift doors open. And Pardew, Alan Pardew, is staring right back at us. And also in the lift, I think, are like Hayden Mullins and Nigel Rio Coca. And I'm pissed and I've gone, but like that to him straight away. And he's gone, hello, fellas. And I went, I went, we're here for the game. <laughs> he just went, oh, you don't stay. <laughs> I thought, what did I say that for? He doesn't, I mean, I'm pretty sure by the, the my sunburn, you know, my, my very pale yet sunburn <laughs> face, right? And, you know, the way I was dressed and the fact that I was paralytic at about three in the afternoon probably indicated to him that I wasn't a local. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the only time I've seen the Hammers in a hotel. But I tell you another good one. This is complete tangent. We will get on to talking about the Burnley game. This is the best one ever, right? My brother, for a while, um, uh, lived in Italy, in Perugia, which is a town like in Umbria, right? And while he was there, he sort of adopted the local team, Perugia, and used to go and see them. But my Italian team have always been Lazio, right? Because I've got relatives in Rome who follow Lazio. So I've always gone to Lazio games since I was a kid. Anyway, it was Lazio, Perugia, in Perugia. So we've said, right, let's go over for a little weekend. It's our two, me and my brother, and our two Italian games playing each other. So we stay in like, Perugia's a small town, have one decent hotel. We stay in like a hotel, right? My brother's got his son with him, he's about two. We go down for breakfast in the morning and I thought, I'm sure that's Sven-Goran Eriksson. Now, this was the Lazio team of the early noughties, which Sven-Goran Eriksson was manager of, who won Serie A, right? And the team, I've looked around and I'm hungover again, but I've looked over bit by bit. It's starting to dawn me, oh my God, right? This is the liner. Nesta, Veron. Sa- Salah, you know, Ch- the Chilean forward, Salah Salas, I think his name was. Um, Nedved, right? Uh, Inzaghi. Like, this was uh, Simeo- Diego Simeone. The lot, mate. Lombardo. It, this was like, I mean, this is this Lazio team, the early noughties, because they were briefly very rich. They did a bit of a sort of a Chelsea thing. But it was like an all-star 11. It was incredible. And they were sat all around us. And my little nephew runs over and Salah starts like mucking around, playing with him a little bit, teasing him. I was made up, mate. I mean, to a man like you, rubbing shoulders every day with, you know, footballing superstars, you're like, yeah, big deal, mate. But (laughs) to me, I was, that's my greatest ever football team hotel moment. No, that's incredible. I'm surprised you didn't learn Italian after that, mate. You know what I mean? Well, I, do, I, do, I know a little bit of Italian. I've got Italian family, so I know, I know a little bit, but I don't think many of them were Italian, to be fair. I mean, maybe <laughs> out of that list I just gave you, there was like Nesta and uh, Simone and Zaghi were about the only two Italians in the team, if I remember correctly. <laughs> That's yeah. a dream team out there, to be fair. That's an absolute dream team, pal. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hello listeners, sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favour to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits, and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. So last night, tell me first what you thought when you saw the lineup. Did you did you know about did you know prior to the lineup being announced that we were gonna be missing um, Noble and Alcona. We knew beforehand that there'll be no Noble, but we didn't know Alcona uh, would be absent and that Antonio would be back. Mm. So they're the two that sort of caught us, caught us by surprise, as in like the media. So to be fair, right, even before the match, right, I'm not sure how much you could see it on TV, but Sam, it was chucking it down in Birmingham. Oh yeah, you could you couldn't it, see it that much. It, it was like that in London, yeah. It was like. From now on, I'll always be grateful to have in London because Burnley, I, I can't, I can't, I can't be experienced for every day. No way can I be experienced for every day. It, it was that bad. Honestly, like it was so, it was terrible. But yeah, um, yeah, we didn't know about Bonner will be absent and Tony will be back. But oh, what a performance! As you touched on it, I think it's mate, mate, what did what did you think when you saw it? I mean, that is a lineup that I'm pretty certain we have not named those players in yeah. the same team as in the midfield and attack this season yeah. at all. And I don't think that we've named even that formation, really. When you yeah. look at the amount of... I mean, I don't think many people, until the game got underway, yeah. could work out who was playing where <laughs> because there were so many attacking players. Certainly Sky couldn't because yeah. I think they had it as for now's playing in a more withdrawn role with Suchek and they had Lanzini out on the wing. And it didn't you know turn what? out that way. A few, a few like the Bernie reporters are like, and he, do you know what formation? And I'm like, I haven't got a clue, guys. I haven't got a clue <laughs> what formation this is. All yeah. I know is an attacking team. And the last time I can remember the team being so attacking was the win against uh, Aston Villa. Mm. I remember it was a bit similar. Ben Rama started that match, Lingard, Antonio. So before the match, right, I tweeted, Ben Rama plus uh, Lingard plus Antonio equals like fire emoji because that's what yeah. I thought. I mm. thought this is an attacking team. People are being very positive. Yes, Moyes is going through, loving his team, really good. And that first 30 minutes, Sam, my goodness. That 30 minutes was just amazing. Unbelievable. Breathtaking at times. Benrahma playing great. Antonio like, scoring goals. It was just brilliant football. And when we're at our best, I feel like we could be anyone. Honestly, because yeah. we're just so good. Like, we're so good. Yeah, I mean, what's, yeah. what I can't work out when you say that is that like, you look at that last night and I just thought, how the game ended 2-1. That, that was my only disappointment because, you know, Burnley are a good side. They were off the back. They were in good form. They are off the back of a 4-0 win against Wolves. We were, I mean, we absolutely, they, they, they couldn't live with us, to coin a phrase. They could not live with us. And you're right. I couldn't really see any other team living with us when we've got the, that many great players out there all playing so well. Although, funny enough, we'll get on to this. Lingard had a good game. He'd, I've not seen him have a bad game, but by his standards, he was not in our top three best players last night. 
But what, what I wonder is this, Michelle, it's like, did we look that much better because we were playing Burnley, who are a good side? Uh, you know, admittedly, they are a good team. I'm not saying that they're like a small team. They've been more successful than us in the Premier League in recent years, I'd say. But we don't, we don't pick, Moist doesn't pick teams like that against sides who are further up the top of the table. And also he doesn't put us out like that. And I also just wonder whether the players have got it in them because we've seen Ben, ben Rama against a certain level of defence looks top class. But I'm talking about his best games have been against Villa, Burnley and Leeds. Yeah. And, um, and all good teams, don't get me wrong, all good teams. But when we've seen him play even one level above that, he doesn't look quite as devastating. And I just don't know whether that is because he isn't quite good enough. And that's the test of a player being exceptional is when they can do it against all opposition or whether it's just his confidence or whether when he is picked in those games, Moyes is just, you know, maybe Moyes puts them out there with less confidence to express themselves and he focuses more on stopping the opposition. Whereas clearly last night he was, he must have sent them out with a kind of lads, just go for this. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's two good questions, and that's the first one. I feel like that match showed how threatening we are with replacing our team and without Noble. We all know Mark Noble's got a great mm. for the club, but he just hasn't got the legs, unfortunately. And I thought Lanzini in that deeper role looks so good. Oh, I, I know, didn't I, see it coming, mate. Mate, I, I I know people say, oh, it's only Bernie, but still, you have to think what this, what no, this guy's doing. Bernie, a good side, man. He, the way he dictated play, I was like, it's just Lanzini, or am I watching... I'm watching like another player in disguise because this is just incredible. Like he was just so confident on the ball, very calm. He had a great chance in the, in the first half to score. Now he went over the bar. Yeah, and we looked a threat. We all looked. We all looked a threat on a counter attack, and that was my main takeaway. And wherever we got the ball, we looked a threat. And as you touched on, should have scored more than two goals. But on Ben Rama, right? I'm so happy for him because when he provided that assist for Antonio's second goal, because during matches, right, I feel like it's it's important as journalists to show a bit of personality. I feel like too many journals are, are so serious where I try and be a bit, you know, a bit funny every now and then. Yeah. So what do you provide? You're a bubbly character, mate. Oh, You're a bubbly, yeah. you, you can't stop. Do you, yeah. Don't take that away from yourself, right? Yeah, don't, yeah. don't let the, the boring, tedious suits, right, <laughs> of, of the sport journalism fraternity ever take that away from you or wear that down, mate. You know, you know of two words, Sam. Two yeah. words, pal. So... When Ben Rama provided his assist for Antonio's second goal, I thought, you know what? You haters out there, you Ben Rama haters, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for every single one of you, right? So I put, I posted a tweet saying, Ben Rama haters, where you're at with the gift of like Kevin Martin yeah. looking. And, I saw it, mate. I saw it. All right. So I thought it was funny, right? People were like saying, ah, oh, this is hilarious. Mate, today, right, in my DMs, why the hell are you talking about? It's uh-huh. only one match. He only done a couple uh-huh. step over his... Oh, massive overreaction. And these, like, are these, West, are these West Ham fans? Yeah, West Ham fans. <laughs> I mean, that that to me, mate, I, I mean, listen, we are not Arsenal. But then again, maybe we are Arsenal. Maybe all fans are going like that now. We all love Arsenal. I cannot understand how any West Ham fan has the energy or the time or the amount of anger inside of them to spend time getting that head up 
about arguing with another West Ham player about another West Ham fan about how shit a West Ham player is. It's like, what part of being a West Ham supporter don't you understand? The clues in the name, supporter, support them. I mean, I criticise players when they've had a bad game, but would I go out of my way to direct message <laughs> another West Ham fan? I mean, I tend to feel a natural affinity with anyone I ever meet who's a West Ham fan. Wrongly or rightly, sometimes they might be dickheads, but for me, you'll get you'll get two, three or four extra chances with me if you support West Ham or yeah. if you've got anything to do with the club. And I just think, you know, it, that is that. I mean, honestly, mate, that is baffling that someone that, that people have got the time to do that. It's the it's uh-huh. a time thing. It's like, I really must take it up with that bloke <laughs> on Twitter that he thinks our player's good just because he played well last night. Yeah, That doesn't mean he's good. And I'm going to have it out with this bloke so he will eventually agree with me. Well, I know. If, if you're listening, mad bloke on Twitter who hates Ben Rama, say if Rashane, think it through to its best possible conclusion. Maybe Rashane ends up going, do you know what? You've made me see the error of my ways. You're right and I'm wrong. And in fact, I'm going to write an editorial in The Athletic um, in which I name you personally, if you don't mind, (laughs) and explain how you reasoned with me on Twitter and eventually made me see that despite the fact Ben Rama had a great game last night, I was wrong to describe him as good because ultimately he is not good. He just had a good game. How would that make you feel, madman on Twitter? Would you feel vindicated would you feel happier? Would you feel more fulfilled and able to live a better, more rounded life? Or would you just have to go on to the next dispute and forever feed the beast inside of you? That's Sam's thought for the day. <laughs> I appreciate the kind words, Paul. I'll send you a link, <laughs> set in the post. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, right? With, with Ben Rama, you know what? I'll compare it to four nows. And just covering West Ham, I've sort of learned the art of being patient with players. Obviously, we all know a bad player receiving one, like case in points being like someone like um, someone like Roberto, for example. We all know he wasn't good enough yeah. to be lucky for West Ham, but mm. with Ben Rama, we saw flashes like of what he could do. It's a case yeah. of him being the chance. I use four nails as a perfect example because in this first season, we all know he struggled, but we saw signs that there's a player there. Yeah, he just needs time to get to the room of the Premier League, his teammates, and I see that at Ben Rama. I feel like this season is an experiment in a sense where Ben Ramos is getting used to his teammates, getting used to the pace of the Premier League, and I feel like we'll see the best of Ben Ramos next season. Well, what Moyes has played him perfectly, right? He's played him perfectly. He did the same with Four Nails. He did the same with Bowen. Remember, Bowen didn't get in the team straight away. I think he did after a couple of games. He, 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 he assimilated a little bit quicker, but we were we were in a desperate situation, right, it, it, when Bowen first came in. But, but Ben Rama. He's, he's picked him shrewdly. He's picked, I had a feeling he would pick him after two losses on the bounce and coming up against a team who I thought might pack the defence and therefore we might need a little bit more magic in attack because we couldn't rely just on the counter-attack. I had a feeling he might pick him and I had a feeling that if he did, he'd have a good game because, like I say, against those kind of teams, he seems to be better. And I just think it's another stroke of Moyes genius people say oh, i don't think Moyes rates him but i think Moyes does rate him and i think because at the end of the day Moyes signed off a 25 million pound transfer for him in january it was only you know a couple of months ago he was doing that he didn't have to at that point you know and um so i think that he likes him but he's just being smart and he knows that a player like that who depends so much 
on his skills and his flair is going to need a lot of time to acclimatise to defenders who are, I think, significantly better defenders. In the, I think there's a big step up, isn't there? You know, that's true. You know, that's a great point. You know what it reminds me of? It's a bit like being in school, right? And you're that student who's satisfied with getting a B, but the teacher makes you stay behind because they know you can get an A or yeah. an A star. Like, they know what you can achieve, but you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the B, but the teacher's like, no, you're staying behind. I know what you can do. And I yeah. feel like that's more of Ben Rao because he's just not content with what he's doing right now. He knows what he can do. For example, right, after the match, I asked David, um, obviously great performance from Ben Rao, but what more does he need to do to get a start level on a, on a regular basis? And he was saying, he needs to improve, for example, like his uh, decision-making. He needs to score more goals. Ben Rao yet to score so far this season. Five assists, but yet to score. Like, this is what he needs to work on. He's like, I've got faith in him. Like, I believe in this guy, but he just needs to work on a few things to get to yeah. that level. And he's right. I mean, you know, last night he had a, a sensational game, but nevertheless, there were moments where he did make the wrong decision. He's just overthinking, but like people say, one goal, one goal will happen, and then after that he'll chill out. And if he goes up a level from what we saw last night, we've got a serious player on our hands. Really serious. He was always asking Christopher for the ball. He was linking up with Antonio. Like, he looked like a player who's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna seize this opportunity right now. I want, I want to yeah. like deliver. And I remember, short of a short interval, Ben Rama. He had a great chance, right, to cross it into the box. Antonio was at the, the far post. The cross is terrible. A terrible cross. David Moyes is like, what are you doing? Like, this, come on, like you gotta do better. But I thought like yeah. that tough, that tough love approach. Yeah, we get the best out of Ben Rama. I saw that. I saw I, they showed that on TV. Him reacting like that. And I, I again. I mean, maybe it's like Moyes has done so well that now anything he does, I interpret as genius. But they commented it, the commentators mentioned it as well, the fact that even though we were playing at times really breathtaking football, I mean, there were spells in the game last night where even in the context of this season, which has been arguably our best ever Premier League season, it was it, there were passages of play that were the very best we have seen West Ham play this year. The very best, you know against a very tough team to play against like Burnley. And we were absolutely like, we were keeping possession. There was one touch. Honestly, the cliche is it's like watching Brazil. But it was like that. Yeah, it was. It's the style that there was times, because we had packed the team with so many technical players, There was it was like watching a, a Brazilian team. Because it's only when you see teams like that. The reason they say that is that Brazil traditionally have been one of the only teams in world football who are unafraid to put 11 technical players in the side, or at least six offensive players who are all technical, right? They're the only sort of team who, who have experimented with that over the year. But that's really what we had last night, and you don't often see it. And, you know, bloody hell, the doubters, all of us who doubted David Moyes, and everyone did to one extent or another, who, one of the main criticisms people would have had when he came in was, oh, he's negative. And maybe that was based on his time at Everton. I, you know, I can't really remember that. I do remember them having good attacking players during that period. But, you know, seeing as such a sort of a pragmatic team. But I don't think there's many managers in the league who would put a team out like that, that was put out last night, you know. I mean, certainly managers we've had in the past would have sooner, you might say, oh, well, we, we picked the only 11 players we had. But, you know, Ryan Fredericks and Glenn Johnson were on the bench. Not Glenn Johnson. Um, 
what's his name, Ben Johnson. They're both on the bench. They're both defensive players. He could have played them on. We've had managers in the past who would sooner have played them, those two, on the wings, you know, or played another centre-back in the central defensive position, you know, something like that. Um, but they didn't. He didn't. He, he stuck with it, you know. He could, he could have played Balbuena. Balbuena was available. He could have played Balbuena and played with a back three. There was other things he could have done, but he just thought, nah, I'll just stick them all out there. Do you know what I mean? He stuck them all out there. And what's really incredible about the way this team is coached is that they were all technical, offensively minded players. And yet they all worked their socks off, which meant if Burnley thought, well, look at this side, they've got a load of smallish, skillful players. We'll, we'll overrun them. We'll bully them. No way. Because Lanzini and Fornells were like, and Lingard always works. He always chases down every ball. But Ben Rama too, all of them. Antonio, you know, is always going to work really hard to shut people down. I just can't see. I I can't see no. I think Nob's just done well since he's come in for Rice, but I can't see him getting back in the team now. In fact, I I don't want him to. I don't want him to because Lanzini is such a different proposition. We've never really even seen him play that role before. But when he he get, it's hard when he comes off the bench for him to make an impact. And I've been very cynical about Lanzini. I've got well, you know one of my best mates. He's always, you know, we'll like be both watching the game and texting each other throughout. And he's always like, get Lanzini on it. I love Lanzini. And I go, I'm always, I'm going, you're obsessed with Lanzini, mate. The bloke had, had scored a good goal against Tottenham. That's it. It's all he's done for the last few years. But last night I ate my words because he was winning the ball. He was running everywhere. But the best thing was, like you say, when he got it, he was looking up and playing positive balls forward all the time, which meant the opposition never get time to relax. And that's the problem with Noble, isn't it? The opposition sometimes get time to relax and they get time to regroup because Noble's going to hold on to the ball for too long. Sure. I've asked why, let's say, for example, like what we're on a break, it, it slowed down a little bit because Noble was in position and he can't really keep up with the others. And that wasn't a thing last night with Lanzini. But after the match, you know, similar to Ben Rama, I asked always about Lanzini. Because the thing with Lanzini is, you know, he gets asked post-match. And Moyes is like, okay, listen, we know it's been it's been tough for Lanzini in terms of like playing time, but he was superb. He can't recall what time Lanzini lost the ball last night. And he feel, he thinks obviously we all know Lanzini hasn't been the same player since that knee injury. But he thinks this could be like a new position for Lanzini moving forward. And I agree, because he played so well. You, you would have thought Lanzini had played that position for like 10 years. That I, listen, I know it's barely, but still, like that's how well Lanzini performed last night. He was just so good. Like you, well, watching it was like you're about the years, just in terms of being so calm, just not panicking. Like, it was so good. So let's say, right, because the thing is, it's believed that Declan Rice will be back for the game against Everton on Sunday. But let's say David Moyes wants to be a bit cautious and not put him in start 11. I'm more than happy to see Lanzini back in. So we've mentioned Ben Rama and Lanzini. I think Antonio was named man the match on the box. And I would actually agree with that, even though we've mentioned two other players who had cracking games. I think Antonio was brilliant, not just the two goals. He was great throughout the game. And what really astonished me was he's been out for about four weeks and he came straight back in and he played the whole 90 minutes and he looked so sharp from the beginning to the end. And that is so weird. I mean, for a player who's been out for four weeks, usually you expect him to come back and either come off the bench or if they do start, do 60 to 70 minutes maximum. He absolutely, sure, he, was he, 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 he was incredible. I mean, he's like a machine, you know. 
Uh, so I was delighted for him. Gutted that he didn't get his hat trick. Because when he got the second, I thought he's nailed. At that stage, mate, I thought, right, this is what this is. We've just hit peak West Ham here. We, we're going to absolutely overrun them. We're going to win this by about five, six goals. It didn't turn out that way. But at that stage, I thought he's going to, this is going to be like the Watford game last year. He's going to get, he's going to get, uh, <laughs> oh, you, you mean, you mean Norwich? Five. You mean, you mean oh, Norwich, yeah, Norwich. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah, Norwich. So anyway, I mean, there's not much negative to discuss apart from, I would say, and I, I know people might think, oh, well, they've got to say something negative, but I would say that Diop for me now, I think every game he has a wobble. And I think that our defensive woes began after Ogbonna first got injured and Diop came in. And I I just think he is, I think he's got great things about him. But at the moment, with a lot of competition for places in that defence when everyone's fit, I think he's always got a... He, he always seems to have at least one mistake in him, in a game, you know? And uh, I just think, you know, I mean, for me at the moment, we'll probably bring someone in in the summer. But for me at the moment, Dawson and Ogbonna are the, are the two starters. And and I love the way we played last night so much that I would hope the rest of the season we stick with 4-4-2 with Cresswell yeah. at left-back. Yeah. Uh, you know, regarding the summer, a lot of fans feel like we need to sign a striker, maybe another midfielder, but I still think we need to sign a young centre-half to provide yeah. competition for, like, Dawson and Vanna. Because uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping he'll change my mind, but I just don't think Diop is the answer right now. I really no. don't, because here we are, what, one year around, and we're still talking about the same thing as Diop, just defending, not being sharp. I'd you know, sell him. Because school... I'd sell him, because he's, what, yeah. he's young he's, and, and he's still affects yeah. your feet, yeah. I will can yeah. get a, a a good a good like profit from that. We, I think we're pretty sure we signed him for eighteen or twenty four million, if I'm not mistaken. It was expensive, so I can see a club, but we should get yeah, a profit. Yeah. But even the match against Burnley, Sam, I just felt like even, I said it at half time. It's good we're in front, but if Burnley were to get like get back in the game, it would be because of Diop. He's just so shaky with aerial exactly. battles. Even the penalty they got right, I'm blaming Diop for that because he was so hesitant in terms of clearing the ball. And yeah. then Chris Wood got got across him. I'm pretty sure it was Solchak who fouled him. That could have been avoided had Diop just put his head through it, been a bit more yeah. confident. And you, you could tell, it? you could tell the second half, Bernie were like, listen, let's let's exploit this, let's exploit it. Let, like he's shaky. Let's use our advantage. So yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think we were lucky to get get away with it because when we kept missing chances, I was certain they were gonna get another really good chance. Luckily, they didn't, they didn't have their best night. Um, but yeah, I think that is. Uh, I worry too much when you look at Ogbonna and Dawson, especially Ogbonna. The way that Ogbonna, who I think is a classy defender, but at the same time, when he gets locked into one-on-ones or aerial battles, he also has that sort of almost like more of a traditional English way of defending, where he will be, you know, at times he'll look graceful like Rio Ferdinand, but other times it'll be like Tony Adams, and he will just stick his foot through it. He will do last uh, ditch blocks. He'll he'll be the bloke where you think they're nailed on to score, and he'll fly from nowhere and block the shot. He gets his head on it. I mean, that kind of ugly defending is what Ogbonna's capable of, as well as the classier stuff. Whereas Diop, I don't know when the going gets rough and a bit ugly. I just think he gets a bit bit wobbly. <laughs> no, I agree. I definitely agree.
Brought to your ears by The Athletic, I'm Adam Hurry and Football Clichés is the podcast you never knew you needed. Every week, to quite unnecessary depth, we examine the words, the phrases, the accepted wisdom, the mannerisms, the habits, the gestures, the symbols, the sounds and the smells that everyone takes for granted in football, but which really are the glorious glue that holds it all together. For example, have you ever really listened to the Football League goals roundups? I mean, really listen to them? Because they all sound pretty much like this. Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13. And when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. But Striker A had other ideas, and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First, a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level, and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood, and although Striker A squandered a gilt-edge chance to complete his hat-trick, on-loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to 10 men. An afternoon to forget for manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss manager F. Listen to football cliches wherever you get your podcasts and also ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic. All good stuff, generally speaking. Uh, just wonderful to see. And ju- just lastly, for the old timers like me out there, when this lineup came out, it put me in mind of one game from, and I had to look it up. I couldn't remember what year it was. 1996, West Ham versus Southampton, Upton Park. 2 1 was the scoreline again. But we started with up front, we had um, Paolo Futre partnered <laughs> in uh, possibly the most bizarre and unlikely forward partnership not just in Premier League history but what in almost world football in history Paolo Fucci started up front with Ian Dowie and you, you'll struggle to find two more contrasting styles <laughs> right um in a in a strike partnership but West Ham started with basically four wingers in midfield Williamson Slater Hughes and Lazaridis but in the second half we brought on Ili Dimitrescu and Florian Rodichau, our two Romanian World Cup stars. And we played out this game against Southampton with Futre, Rodichau and Dimitrescu up front. Now, in those days, we weren't used to having foreign glamour players in the from World Cups in our team. And suddenly we had three of the bastards all playing together. I wasn't at that game because I was abroad on holiday. But friends of mine who were at that game, and many West Ham fans who were at that game, speak about it to this day in hushed tones. Because I say it was the most outrageous attacking display for the last 15, 20 minutes of the game they had ever seen in their lives, right? It was absolutely sensational because <laughs> Harry Redknapp had just stuffed this side with, you know, flair players. And I think that hasn't been done again till last night when <laughs> Moyes went one better and played... Lanzini, Fornaus, Benrama, Lingard and Antonio. And the so-called defensive midfielder was Suchek, who, by the way, is our top scorer this season. <laughs> it was incredible. I, uh, it, really incredible lineup. It paid off and I'm delighted. Oh, delighted. But I'll tell you what, Sam. Listen, the last... So I've I, I mentioned beforehand, like, 
how tough it is being a journalist and also a fan of West Ham because I need to be professional, but it's just so hard. It really is. Mm. And the last 15 minutes of that game last night, so my goodness. Oh, that was tough. That was so tough because Bernie McFly so much And I was thinking, what are you doing? Just clear the ball. Oh, mate. I'm not sure how you found it, but that was just yeah, no yeah. bad experience. Yeah, I mean, I've watched a lot of games like the the recent ones where we nearly threw away our leads or did throw away at Arsenal, where it's more like being nervous about the other team looking like they're scoring. I didn't feel that nervous, not particularly nervous about Burnley scoring because they didn't. It wasn't like they were bombarding us; they were trying, they were huffing and puffing. They didn't create that much, but it was more just how profligate we were being in front of goal like the way that we were carving open opportunities almost at will but then just not quite getting in the back of the net that was what was driving me mad yeah but anyway look we got there three points is three points onward to Everton I feel very confident now um I just feel Everton maybe be a bit of a tougher game but they're you know they're they're inconsistent aren't they Everton and I think our tails are up and we beat them at Goodison so why shouldn't we beat them at London Stadium for sure, I'm actually confident for the other ten minutes. The only match in the remaining what four fixtures that I'm a bit ah oh, is a Brighton game. Yeah, the only game out because they are a bogey team for whatever reason. That's the only match I'm not really confident. But yeah, Sunday definitely get a positive result against Everton. I touched them. Rice could be back for that match. So and are we, now we've got a bit of morale again following the back-to-back defeats. And what 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 about Masuaku and Ogbonna? Do you think they might be back? So Moyes is asked about Ogbonna after the match. It doesn't seem likely he'll be back for the Everton game. Just right. By Moise's response, and imagine will give us an update on Friday. We still don't know yet in terms of when Masuaka will be back. So I'd imagine both will get an update on uh, ahead of the post-match press, well, pre-match press conference on uh, on Friday. And uh, just lastly, what can we look forward to reading about the Hammers this week in the Athletic? All right, so Sam, I'm I'm not one to name drop, right? I'm not one to name drop, <laughs> but we have a, a, a big supporter of this podcast, and. Right. Earlier, earlier, I was fortunate enough to interview Seth Myers, right? So, wow. I that should that interview should be on the site on Thursday. So, yeah, just how he became a West Ham fan, some of his favorite memories as a West Ham fan, his favorite players, which current player would have on his show, uh, funny stories about being a West Ham fan. All, all just a great chat, it really was. And he's proper so, West Ham, isn't he? He's really like this is not just like one of these celebs who's just an American celeb who's plucked a name out of nowhere. This bloke is fully West Ham. Fully West Ham. And you have to remember, Sam, mm. they're five hours behind. So I asked about the Newcastle game. And again, I won't reveal too much. You can read it in the piece, but he shared a hilarious story about that match. Bear in mind, it's what, 7.30 for him. So he's got to get early to watch that. And he's similar to us. I was like, Seth, whenever West Ham win, I'm happy. Whenever West Ham loses, I'm annoyed. So one story I can share for the Newcastle game, right? He was like, he was just so annoyed. I was thinking, why am I annoyed? He's like, oh, I know why, because West Ham lost. Yeah, that's, that's proper West Ham. Yeah. I, was, I was saying to my wife last night that she knows we've been to go so many years, she sees what I'm like. I'm like, I don't get as angry as I used to when I was younger, but it does cast a shadow over my whole week when we've lost. And it was so nice to be back in winning ways again after last night. So uh, let's all relish it. And I think there's still a chance. I'm, I'm still, I, I've still got a feeling Chelsea are going to slip up. But let's yeah, see sure. how it goes. Oh, and uh, very quickly, another piece to look out for this weekend will be a background on Thomas Suchek and his journey to West Ham. I've got some great stories about potato salad. So this will be a, oh, a good piece. Great. All about the potato salad. Wicked. 
Well, thanks for listening, ladies and gents. Thanks as always, Rashane. Well done on surviving Burnley. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next week um, reflecting on what we hope is another victory against Everton. Until next time, come on you irons. And remember, ladies and gents, there's only one. Samasiabu! The Athletic. <laughs>